Thank you for joining us for the All Access Coaches Corner podcast. We are so excited to continue serving coaches, sharing their stories, and spotlighting their programs. Stay connected as we bring you more special guests and more real conversations covering all aspects of the game. You can find our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you like to get your podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at allaccess underscore cc. Subscribe to the All Access Network YouTube channel and join us in the All Access Coaches Corner. On episode four, we continue where we started with Coach Dwayne Broussard from TCU. If you happen not to have cut, caught the first part of our interview, you can catch it on All Access Coach's Corner podcast. This is part two. Here we go again. I want to take time to acknowledge one of our partners, Rising Coaches. Every coach wants to rise in their career in one way or another. We're all looking for professional development, access to tools, and relationships that can help us grow and help us advance in our career. Rising Coaches provides just that. You can visit Rising Coaches at www.risingcoaches.com. Their memberships are just $10 a month and provides a genuine community to help you grow and advance in your career. What would you say are some of your favorite lessons so far in your career that this career has taught you? What's, what's a couple or however many you want, just some of your favorite lessons that you've learned in your career? Well, Again, I think, over 25 uh, years, uh, having several NBA players, having 10, you know, you've had. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to oversimplify this, but, but I do think relationships are, are extremely important. And not, not just with the player, but, you know, I think with, with your administrative staff, I think with your trainer, I think with your academic person, um, you know, I think those are internal relationships that, that, that you have to maintain at a high level at any institution that you work at, you know, simply because you just don't know where these folks are going to be. Right. You just don't know. And, right. and, I, and I also right. think too, that, that because our overall goal is the success of the student athlete, we all have a, we all have a part in that and we all share in that. So I think that's extremely important. And I think also, on the outside, externally, I think having powerful relationships with people in our business, you know, whether it's an AAU coach, a high school coach, whatever the case is, because we are in the business of connecting dots. Okay. We connect dots and the dots are information and information is currency in our business. Okay. Knowing, knowing what's going on in a particular recruiting situation is important, but the only reason why you get that information is because you've cultivated a relationship with either an AAU coach or a high school coach. Okay, and I think that's extremely important, and don't forget that. Don't, don't, don't I'm just telling you, I, again, I don't want to oversimplify it, but relationships are extremely important, okay? I think the other thing is, is that if you're trying to become something, okay, because you're observing somebody that you admire or somebody you want to be like, I think a better way to say that is follow people that you're not follow people that you're not. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, learn from people that, 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 you, that, that's not a part of who you are grow in those areas. I think that's extremely important. Okay. Follow people you're not. All right. 
I think also, too, and this is along the lines of being an assistant coach, you got to be a problem solver. You got to be a problem solver, okay? There are many times that as assistant coaches, we are confronted with information and situations and scenarios that we just can't bring to our head coach, okay? We can't do that because if we brought every problem to our head coach, then he probably would think we're not competent, right? Probably think we're not competent. So be a problem solver. And being a problem solver is simply studying those areas that you've anticipated might come up that you might need to give answers to, okay? Be an expert with the rules. You've got to know the NCAA rules. You've got to know APR. You've got to know that because the head coach has got all these things he's trying to juggle, okay? He's trying to put together a team. He's trying to fundraise. He's trying to politic. He's working in a whole different sphere than we are, okay? The bottom line, coaches, is that Oftentimes, we're the runs, assistants. We're, we're, we are the ones that are running the program. So be a problem solver, okay? I think the last thing is, is that you, you, you have to know your nose, knowing your nose. So in other words, no settling, okay? You know, I try not to settle for anything less than excellence, okay? I think no compromise, okay? Guys, you will be faced with compromise. Trust me. I can tell you, 25, 26 years in the business, you will be faced with compromise, okay? The question is, are you going to succumb to it or are you going to do the right thing, okay? And I'm going to tell you, if you can, avoid compromising at all costs, okay? Because your reputation is on the line. And the reputation is all we got, fellas. It's all we got, okay? No procrastination is a huge thing for me, okay? For others, it may be different, but... I don't procrastinate. I try to knock out what I have to knock out because when you procrastinate, it creates stress. Our business already has stress, okay? It already has stress, okay? And then don't burn bridges. Don't burn bridges. Don't do that, okay? Treat people the right way. Treat people how you want to be treated, whether it's people within your administration, your staff, your players, or AAU coaches, or high school coaches, or whatever. Don't burn bridges. Please don't do that. And the last thing I'll tell you, the last thing I'll tell you about that, B, is you have to chronologue. You have to create a history. You have to have a book of things that you write down, okay, because it creates a roadmap. Reflection is a powerful thing that I think is way understated. Reflection is a powerful thing because in our profession, and I've noticed this, you know, so often you could... I mean, I and, I and I made the mistake of doing this, and that's why I'm saying it. You know, at at 15 years in the business, okay, at 15 years in the business, there was probably a point where I stopped growing. I stopped growing, you know, because I kind of thought I had arrived, all right? And when I say I stopped growing, I mean, I didn't go to seminars. I didn't go to workshops and didn't watch a lot of film, okay? And didn't keep up with current trends. And that went on for three years. Well, I can tell you, that three years probably cost me six. It probably cost me six. Okay? That's a huge mm-hmm. mistake. I'm telling mm-hmm. you guys, don't make the same mistake that I made. Don't make, I'm, you know, chronologue, take notes, ask questions, okay? Know your history. Know where you want to go. Sorry about that. Coach, you mentioned reputation uh, within some of the lessons you've learned. Uh, and just real quick, if you can touch on just what do you think it is? I mean, you've been in this business almost three decades. What do you think it is that allows you or has allowed you or would you attribute to what's 
um, what's allowed you to be, have such a great reputation amongst other people? Well, you know, I, you know, just like all the stuff that I've been talking about, I, I, I think you, you have to, you, you do have to build some boundaries. You know, I, I hate using that word, but you, you do, in my opinion, you have to build some boundaries. There, there's just things that you just, you're not going to, you're just not going to tolerate. Okay. You know, like, like for instance, guys, I, I'll just tell you, you know, early on in my career, it might've been enticing for me to, after a AAU event to, Maybe go hang out, right? Go hang out at a restaurant or a bar, and and then ten o'clock, eleven o'clock becomes one o'clock, or two o'clock, or three o'clock, and then the next thing you know, you got to get up and go to work again at a at a gym, and and you're not sharp, you know. And 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 I I fell victim to that a couple times um, in my career, and it cost me. Okay, it cost me because once people think that you're not serious about your profession. Um, then I think you got some real issues, you know, and in particular, and, I, and I, I'll say this because I think it needs to be said, you know, I, I think in particular for minority coaches too, I think, I think we, we, have to be, we have to be careful because of the people that we represent and the people that we, we want to coach. I think we have to set good examples and there's some pressure there, but, but I, I think you, you got to really watch uh, how you conduct yourself, you know, and, and I, think, I think you have to be, Going back, you have to be competent at what you do. And I think competence from afar is oftentimes, when I say afar, when people see what you're doing, they may not see exactly what you're doing, but they may see what the program is doing, mm-hmm. okay? They may see what the mm-hmm. program is doing, okay? I think that's extremely important. If, if, if a program that you're a part of is having success, something is going on. And it's sustainable success. Something is going on there. And if you've been there for a while, then chances are I think your reputation will be attributed to that. It'll be attributed to that. I think in recruiting, I think no matter who you're recruiting or who you're recruiting against, making sure that you're saying things that are uplifting um, and correct and not demeaning to other schools and other coaches, I think that's extremely important too. It shouldn't be any bashing. We, we're all trying to do our jobs. And I know sometimes the competitive nature comes out and we're always trying to find advantages. But at the end of the day, I think parents and coaches, they don't want to hear you talk about talk in a negative way about somebody else. Okay. And, and so I would be, I would caution you right. in that area. Okay. Because at some point a parent or a coach is going to be talking to another coach and they're going to say, you know what, this guy, this is all he does. He's just a negative person he's saying all kinds of negative things about people and if your name is mentioned then you know in our profession fellas gossip spreads like wildfire okay so you know those are just some practical things um i wish that i can articulate it better i wish that there was like a four or five step plan that i can give to you but that's how i think i've been able to avoid you know long-term damage to my reputation no, I think that I think that I think that was a great, um, great insight and definitely a great formula. Whether it's a four or five or what, however many steps, that was a, that was the real steps. So we appreciate you sharing that. Um, Thank you. So kind of going in the same subject, coach of reputation and kind of the, the perception. You know, everybody has a, most people in the profession have a desire to sit in the seat you sit in as a high major assistant because in order to become a head coach, many times um, you have to be a high major assistant first. That's a lot of the formula. So 
in saying that, what's one aspect of being a high major assistant coach that's harder than what maybe it looks like it is? Um, because guys like you make it look <laughs> easy. And then what's another aspect of it on the flip side that may not be as difficult as it seems? Well, I, I, I'll say this, fellas. I mean, what's um, there's probably not one aspect of my job that isn't, that isn't challenging, that doesn't require thought each and every day of how um, to approach. I, I, I'll give you a story. Um, you know, when I, when I was working at, at, at UCLA and understanding the expectation there and the tradition and the pressure that would come along with that, this is, this is truth that I'm telling you right now. Every single day that I would drive to work and park my car, before I parked my car, I had to take a deep breath, okay? And I prayed, you know, Lord, just basically give me the strength because jobs at the high major level in particular demand so much of you. There's so much going on every single day. Every single day, there's so much going on. And it was crystallized at a high level at at UCLA, okay? And so every day, I still follow the same practice, okay? We have different challenges here at, 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 at TCU, but the goal is still the same. The goal is each day that I go to work, I'm going to be confronted with something that I may not be prepared for unless I ask for strength, okay, unless I am prepared, okay? And so I would think that would be a strategy, okay? You know, just being prepared every single day for anything that comes your way, all right? And also know, too, that that very little of your day is probably going to be spent on the court, okay? Maybe 25% of your day is going to be spent on the court. All the other all the other 75% of the time is, is maybe checking class or dealing with the academic advisor or interfacing with marketing or, or you know, dealing with a, a, a recruiting issue, whatever the case is, okay? So, so that, that piece, uh, you just have to be ready for, okay? And along with that, I, I think you got to maintain your health. You do. You, you always have to, you have to maintain your health because you're under enormous amounts of stress, and that's okay. That's just part of the business. Some of the stress is good, right? Some of the stress is, is adrenaline that, 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 that you're utilizing to, to, have, to have a good practice or to have a good game, you know? So I think that those areas are, um, are, are things that you want to take note of, okay? Now, I will say this on the flip side, you know, things that might appear to be hard, but in essence, for me, they haven't really been that hard. And I'm going to say this, and this is just me, being in the business for 25, 26 years, some of you may have been told that it's hard to have a family, okay? I will tell you Mm -hmm. that, yeah, there may be some challenges, but it's not as difficult as you think. It's not. And I'll explain, okay? You just have to be intentional about it, okay? You have to be intentional. And so for me, for me... Family is extremely important, okay? And I made sure that wherever I was working, that there was going to be a balance, okay? I made sure that my wife and my children would be able to come and see me at work. And if I needed to get off of work to go to an event, as long as it didn't conflict with the game, 
or anything that was ex- extremely important that I was going to be able to do that. Okay. So I'll tell you that you in fact can have a family. So young coaches who are on this call, don't think that you can't, you just have to be intentional about it. You got to be very organized about it. Okay. I think that's extremely important. Okay. Uh, but, but the other thing I, I'll tell you that, that is, um, that, that is in, that requires some intention and some discipline is the social media piece. Okay. Some of us may think it's hard to get away from that, but it's really not. <laughs> and that's just for me. I, I've, I've learned, you know, four or five, six years ago that what creates a lot of stress oftentimes is, is, is looking at the opinions of others. Okay. And, and, and seeing what everybody else is doing. Okay. I think there's a time and a place for that. But, but when you're focused on your job and trying to do the very best you can possibly do, you know, I think social media or, or, or reducing uh, your social media use is extremely important, extremely important, because we can pick our phones up all the time, you know, and I, I just mentioned to the coach in, in, in Toronto, using your phone to take notes, okay? Well, I think that's a, a useful way to use your phone. But what I'm talking about is just simply, you know, every five, 10 minutes, your phone dings and you're looking at Twitter, or you're looking at Instagram or whatever the case may be. You know, I, I, I would tell you to try to reduce that. I would tell you to try to reduce that. Okay. And, and, that, and that's worked for me. So that's just a, a nugget, I guess. No, that's good. And to, and to follow up on just that thing, um, you know, there's some differences between now and when you started this profession, again, being a profession uh, almost three decades. Uh, what would you say you talked about adaptability with Coach Dixon. I, so I guess the same thing would be true to yourself. You've been adaptable over these three decades. Uh, social media may be a part. There may be others. But what would you say has allowed you to be so adaptable and successful over the span of decade after decade as well, this profession has changed? Well, and I, and I, and I think, I think being, being able to adapt um, to me is a, is a key factor. I also think establishing values, okay, values that feed into a character you got to have values okay because i think i think certain values probably don't change regardless of generation or regardless of time period honesty okay hard work giving effort you know all those things all those things um for me i think it's allowed me to move in and out of these decades okay I think one of the challenges, though, has been when you look at recruiting in particular, when I first started recruiting, <laughs> 1993, 94, um, there just weren't as many people involved in the recruiting process as it is today. Mm. And I think it's at every level. There's just so many people involved, okay, from the high school coach to the mom, the dad, the uncle, the cousin. There's just so many people involved, okay? And I think because of that, because of that, I think I've had to stress with myself internally the need to be even more consistent, to have a more consistent message. You know, I can't tell the high school coach something different than I'm telling the mom. I can't tell the mom something different than I'm telling the dad. You know, and, and that, that, that presents some challenges, okay? But... Being consistent to me is a value. That's a value, okay? So um, I think 
you know, adapting, yes. Character-wise, you know, no compromise. And, and, and having those values that you can always attest to and turn to, you know. I think for the game itself, I mean, there was a point, Brian, and, and, and you probably studied just like the rest of the coaches, there was a point when, when the game was a lot more physical, right? It was a lot more physical, and it's not quite like that. The game was a little bit slower, and it's not quite like that. It's fast. And, and I think understanding the, the importance of analytics, right? I mean, I, I think that's an area in which I think I've been able to grow a little bit and uh, has allowed me to, to remain somewhat relevant. And it's, and it's what I told you before. You know, I think we have to always be in the business of growing at the rate of change. I want to stress that you have to grow at the rate, rate of change. There's not never a moment when you can't grow because there's always something new out there. It's just how you want to apply it. Right. How you want to apply it. It's good. It's great stuff, coach. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, so we'll shift this last little section to uh, vision, impact, and legacy type questions. Uh, mm-hmm. give you five of these. So what would you say is the why for you in coaching and how do you balance? Uh, you've talked about family. Uh, I know you have a son and a daughter, a son that plays football at UTEP. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do you balance impacting your family at home with impacting your team as well? Well, well, let me, let me just say the, the, the why, you know, the why in terms of why am I coaching? Why am I in this profession? And remember, this is not something that I initially desired, but right, right, when right. I got into it, everything who I was sort of matched the profession and the environment that I was in. So I have discovered or this was something that that was a revelation to me, that my why is because there's a greater pursuit of service that has been embedded in me. There's a greater pursuit of service, okay? And then I think there's also a greater capacity to give back, okay? My grandmother on my mother's side was an educator. My mother was an educator, okay? And in particular, my aunts and some of my uncles are all educators, all right? And so naturally, naturally, this is what I've been around, but I'm just doing it sort of in a different vein. You know, I'm doing it through athletics. Okay. So I, that, that is my why. I, that's why I do it. Okay. I do it because of the service that's involved. Okay. And the capacity to give back. You know, there are many people throughout my lifetime, throughout your lifetime, throughout, throughout all of our lifetimes that invested great time into who we are as people. Okay. And, and right now I can't do anything, but give that back. Okay. But give that back. All right. That was the vision that was implanted in me. So as it relates to family, okay. Yeah. There there has to be a work family balance. Okay. And our teams, our players, the staffs that we on, that's a family. Okay. So how does all that work? All right. So I mentioned earlier about being intentional. So, so, I'm just going to tell you how I did it, okay? Here's how I did it. No matter where I worked, when I was at Bradley, when I was at New Mexico, when I was in Los Angeles, and now at TCU, the one thing that I tried to do is I tried to make sure that I was in close proximity. Where I lived was in close proximity to campus. That's a practical thing, okay? But I'm 15, 20 minutes away so that, again, my wife could come and see me and my kids can come see me. Or if I had to go get my kids from someplace, I could do that, all right? Now, some of you might be saying, well, shoot, Dwayne, you, you were in Los Angeles. How in the world did you do that, okay? Because no matter where you are in Los Angeles, there's a lot of traffic. Well, I'll tell you, it cost me money, 
It was expensive, but the time invested um, in my family was much more valuable than what I was paying in rent and gas and, and time and traffic. Mm. Okay. So that's an intentional thing. Okay. I made sure that my family was close to me. Okay. My son in particular. Okay. We all have children and it just worked out for me that my son, who's a collegiate football player, didn't play basketball. He didn't play basketball. Okay. He played football. So it was an alternative or opposite season. All right. We didn't, we, we didn't intentionally do that. It just worked out that way. So to me, that's a God thing. But, but I'm just telling you, fathers out there and future fathers, you have to keep that in mind, okay? Because if family's important to you and your kids are playing in sports, you want to be a part of that. You, you, I'm just telling you, you want to be a part of that because there's moments in those games and those practices that you're not going to be able to get back, okay? And I'm telling you, to see your child or children succeed in those areas it's magical. Okay. So I'm telling you, that's extremely important. That was important to me. So I made sure that I was at the majority of my son's games. Okay. I think the other thing is, is that, is that, you know, I talked earlier about adaptability and flexibility, and I gave you my definition for both. I think working for a coach who's flexible in the area of allowing you to go places or he tolerates it, or he's okay with it is also important. Now, some of us may not have a choice about who we work for, or when you end up working from somebody, maybe it doesn't work out the way you want to. But that's something that, that, that I made sure was a standing principle in my life, in particular when I got married, that I was working for somebody who understood my need to be a family man, okay? I understood that was important to me and was important to my wife, okay? Right. Now, the other thing, and this is the last thing, okay? And this is, this, is, this is purely Dwayne talking, okay? I'm not saying this is the right thing to do, fellas. I'm just giving you my story, okay? I made some sacrifices, okay? I sacrificed advancement and probably more security for stability, okay? So, in other words, I didn't move a lot. If you look at my track record, I was a coach at Bradley for nine years, Okay, I was a student athlete for four. Okay, so I'm in central Illinois for what, 13, 14 years. Okay, I went to New Mexico and I was there with two coaches. And from the first coach to the second coach, the first coach was Richie McKay, who's now the head coach at Liberty. The second coach is Steve Offer, who's now the head coach in Nevada, who I also work with at UCLA. Both coaches, that time span was probably about 11 years. Okay, it was 11 years, okay? And then I went to UCLA. I was at UCLA for six and a half, almost seven years, okay? And now I'm at TCU, all right? Now, why am I telling you all this? Because at each one of those stops, other than UCLA, at Bradley and at, and at, at New Mexico, I had a chance at the time to leave and go to a higher level, but I chose not to. And the reason I chose not to is because, again, I sacrificed advancement and more security because it was going to be more money and it was probably going to get me closer to the goal of being a head coach. I sacrificed those things for stability and I would not trade anything, any decision that I made regarding my family and my work and the balance between the two, I would not trade it. I would not trade it. Okay. So that's how I would answer that question, Brian. I hope that made sense. That's awesome. 
That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. It, it, there's definitely sometimes a perception that you can't do both coasts. So we definitely appreciate you sharing, even at the mm-hmm. highest level that's possible. Uh, mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely appreciate that. What, what do you think are the biggest, uh, what do you feel like are the biggest challenges in impacting young people? And where do you think you have uh, had the most success in your impact of, of young people? Well, you know, and I, and I, I think I mentioned this before, but, I, but I, think, I think now it's the deficit of trust that exists. Just the deficit of trust. Um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's harder nowadays because there's so many competing values, okay? And you're competing for that mind space. You're competing for that heart space. You know, you almost have to become a, a real estate agent because you're trying to get new property in the kid's mind and heart. That's what you're trying to mm. do. But it's hard. It's extremely hard yep. because you got all these voices. You got all these people. You got social media, okay? So again, you know, making sure that your message is direct and truthful, Yet having a sympathetic, sympathetic ear to listen, that's called courageous communication. You have to be able mm-hmm. to engage in courageous communication, being direct and being truthful, okay, but having a sympathetic listening ear, okay? I think that's extremely important, all right? I think body language, I think body language, and I think body language has become a huge topic um, in coaching because I think kids are less sophisticated in how they communicate verbally and how they express themselves. Mm. Okay. So, so I I think understanding body language and being able to govern body language in a way that benefits the group and is positive presents some challenges. It presents a lot of challenges. Okay. And I think, you know, as a coach, you have to figure out how you're going to reward or how you're going to punish that. Okay, because it's an issue. You know, you say something to a coach or you say something to a player and you see him acting crazy and the body language is all bad. You know, I mean, it it has a tendency to impact your culture. Okay, and and when you're when your culture is impacted, you know, it spreads like a virus. So you got to be real careful with that. So I I think that's a challenge. Okay, Um, I think I think, you know, we talked about the deficit of trust, but I think value and truth. Value and truth, you, 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 and, I, and I'm going to stress this, you, you, you have to tell the truth to kids, you know, and I know sometimes it hurts, but kids have to know, all right? And if it does hurt the kid, then you just got to continue to work on your relationship, okay? You got to continue to work on your relationship. And I think at the end of the day, if you have the support of those around the young man, whether it's mother and father, high school coach, AU coach, making sure that you keep everybody in the loop, then I think you have a better chance of success in reaching that young man, okay? The purpose for us being in this profession is not only to make really good basketball players, but to make citizens that can represent themselves in a manner that is exemplary, okay? That's what we're trying to turn out as, as products of our program. Okay. And again, it's something that happens every single day. And that's what I try to do. That's what I try to do, you know. And I think, too, keeping up with current trends in social behavior, okay, interpersonal communication. I think all those areas are important. What happens oftentimes in coaching is that we work on the X's and O's, okay, but we don't necessarily understand leadership principles or even having a framework to make leadership decisions. Okay, understanding the difference between how do you lead or or guide someone who is less mature but really skilled? Okay, somebody who's really skilled but unwilling. I mean, these are all dynamics. 
that need to be studied and need to be improved on because it helps you to become a much more effective communicator. Okay. You have to become a communicator and that communication is a very important piece in all this. And so I think there has to be constant training in those areas, not just X's and O's. Okay. Because again, what are you competing for? You're competing for the hearts and minds of these young people. Uh, that's powerful. That's good, Coach. Uh, there's so many, so much trust. I love the real estate idea. You're competing for that real estate. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely having the circle around them is so important. I think you've obviously done such a great job in your career, but for all of us can continue to grow at that because um, the people that they trusted but got there are the people they're still going to trust while they're there with you. So the better relationship you have right. with those people that they trust, then, then you can help navigate some of the waters when you do have to tell them some truth that they right. don't want to hear, you know, because there's so right. much to be said about that truth. So great, 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 great stuff, coach. Love, love that you shared that. Um, so, so kind of project into the future, just grow <laughs> with me. On. Yep. So as a, as a future head coach, and I'm saying it's not you, but as a future head coach, how would you address <laughs> or what would be your philosophy in uh, recruiting and retaining student athletes in this transfer day and age now? Yeah, you, you're asking the question that the uh, the chancellor or the or the president will ask me, you know, <laughs> in a couple of years. But you know, here's what I would tell you about that. B. I, 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 <laughs> getting you ready, baby. Getting you ready. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna try to keep that really, really simple. Okay. You know, I think there's two things in particular. All right. When it comes to recruiting, you have to clarify what type of player you want to recruit based on the style you want to play. So you have to clarify. Okay. You have to clarify that. Okay. That and that's an exercise that either you're gonna go through by yourself or hopefully if you have a staff in place before you actually go out and recruit. Now you have to also deal with the players you already have on campus, you know, when you become a head coach, but as you're building your program, you have to clarify what type of player you're going to recruit. Okay. And what's acceptable in terms of character and and what's not. Okay. Then I think the second thing is you have to then go out and find people. Okay. When I say find people, find a staff that embodies what you want, out of your players, okay? Some of those values that exist, you have to, because that to me is called alignment, okay? That's alignment. You got to have alignment from top to bottom, okay? My recruiting philosophy will be simple. It'd be simple. It'd be the ABCs, okay? Real simple. Athletic ability, okay? The level of basketball talent you need to win in a particular league, okay? And the character, ABCs. That's what it would be, okay? And in that, in that, obviously, there would be a, a lot more detail, but, but on the surface, when, when our coaches are out looking, we're looking for athletic ability, we're looking for basketball talent, and basketball talent that is typically measured, typically measured in my, in, my, in my evaluation by the top three teams in your league. Whatever three teams in your league perform at a high level, what are their players like? What are they doing? Okay, And we have to get players that we can either develop to get to that point Okay, or players, if we get lucky through the transfer market or whatnot, that can come in and help right away. Okay, and we got to have character because I think character sustains culture. Okay, so the ABCs, okay, athletic ability, basketball talent, and character. Okay, now this issue with retention and inclusion. Okay, retention and inclusion. Okay, I think again, it all goes back, it all goes back to this. Okay, and There's been debates about this, and I've read about this recently. The analytics of trying to predict which recruits are going to be better, okay, which recruits will help your system, okay? There's all kinds of numbers out there, right? 
But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, okay, I think numbers are important, B, but my eye, the eye that I've used, my eyes that I've used and my heart that I've used for over 25 years probably can tell me more than numbers, okay? So what am I saying to you? You have to be able to evaluate. You got to be able to evaluate, okay? I think part of the problems why you have so many transfers is because of broken promises and misevaluations. Okay, so the broken promises might speak to a character flaw in your staff. Maybe that person was told something and it wasn't delivered, whatever it may be, okay? But I also think it's misevaluation. You know, maybe that player, for whatever reason, was selected in the recruiting process to come into your team because he could help you and it didn't work out. So I think we have to, as coaches, be better at how we evaluate at the college level, okay? Because when you evaluate, and you can't always get it right because it's not an exact science, but, but when you evaluate properly, and when you evaluate, you probably have to do it, if you can, in multiple environments, whether it's AAU, a practice, a game, a playoff game, wherever, because you have to understand the emotional stability and the player's ability to handle pressure in the most crucial moments. Because when they get to college, they're going to be dealing with so much, okay? Why is all that important? Because the quicker that player comes to your campus and the quicker he gets integrated into your system, the more success, the more long-term success, and this is what the numbers prove, long-term success that recruit or that player will have. And to me, that's how you get cohesion. That's how you get cohesion. Okay, and I think the, the, the underpinnings of that to me is values. What do you value and what do you want in your program? That's the underpinning of that. Okay, now in this fast paced, highly energized, you know, warp speed profession that we're in, you can't always get it perfect. Okay, but that's why I think you have to spend time in reflection. Okay, and you have to understand where you want your program to go. All right, and again, I'm not saying that's a safeguard to the transfer portal, yep. but, but I know the programs that I've been a part of at, at, at some point within my tenure there or our tenure there, we've had a high level of success because one, we've recruited in particular at UCLA, we recruited the best student athletes, but even the best student athletes with the most talent still have to fit inside of a system. Okay. Yep. And, and the evaluation was extremely important at New Mexico. We had a, ton of success and we had a ton of success because we were able to identify young men who were willing to come in and work fit inside of a system and get better okay and get older and value the same things that our philosophy value the same thing at Bradley and it is the same thing at TCU I haven't been here but a year but Jamie Dixon has had more success at TCU than any other coach that's been here okay in in recent histories that's what the numbers prove so anyway that's how I would answer that Y'all good, good. And following up on, on great answer, Coach, uh, following up on Jamie Dixon, you've worked for a lot of elite head coaches. You mentioned Rich McKay. You've mentioned uh, Steve Alford. You've mentioned uh, the coach that hired you when you came out, uh, Coach Valerius at Oklahoma. You've mentioned uh, Jamie mm-hmm. Dixon. What is one thing when you are blessed to become a head coach that you will take from each one of those guys and their strengths? So um, I, I like that question. Uh, it's a good question, B. Um, Jim Molinari, who I worked for with Bradley, I think 
you know, he was a very good, well, he's an excellent um, defensive-minded coach, okay? And so from an X and O point of view, you know, I, I, I think the principles of how to effectively build a defense as well as how to adjust uh, your defense, I think that's, that's huge. But more importantly than that, the word that I used earlier, courageous communication, that's where I got that from. That's a, that's a word or that's a phrase that, that, that I learned from him because I remember vividly him saying to me, hey, listen, you know, in basketball, there's going to be some conflict, right? You, you can't grow unless you have conflict, all right? But you don't have to be damaging. You know, conflict doesn't have to be damaging. It just has to be, it has to be delivered in a way that, that creates that growth. So courageous, courageous communication to me is something that I take that I take from him. And again, it's being direct and being truthful, but having a sympathetic ear. Okay, having a sympathetic ear. Okay, that's what I would take from Jim. And Jim was also the coach that that um, that that led me to Christ. You know, I mean, that's you know, and that, and 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 the Christ component in my life has has ultimately helped my character. And so I, I, I'm very thankful for that. I think with Richie McKay, I think Richie was very good at um, preparation for games and making adjustments in game and, and was a very quick thinker on his feet. And so he taught me how to do that. And part of that is the prep that goes into any team that you're playing, okay? Knowing everything there is to know, but being concise enough to be able to make in-game um, changes and adjustments, okay? And I, and I thank Richie for that, and Richie's still like that. I think with Steve Alford, what I would take from him is from top to bottom, understanding that there is a blueprint of how to run a program from top to bottom, a blueprint. And with that blueprint, and I think that the major goal behind that blueprint is so that you can be organized enough and intentional enough to have the work-family balance, Okay, I really learned the work family balance with him. Okay, and that's that's been rewarding and enriching in my life. Okay, and with Jamie Dixon, you know, I think I think what I've been able to study and observe uh, this year is his ability to build long term, sustainable, successful programs. Okay, that's what I that's what I'm taking from him. And again, all those qualities we talked about, adaptability. Okay, extreme energy. Okay, um, uh, keeping what is most important in the program most important, the student athlete. Okay, so so now you know you have a, a a full spectrum approach on on what success might look for because all those coaches I named have had a high level of success, have coached in NCAA tournaments, and recruited and developed players that have gone on to the next level. And so I'm very thankful. I'm very, very thankful that, that I've been able to work for such esteemed men. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Terrific answer coach. Um, last, last real question. I got one bonus question and one fun bonus question from somebody. Sure. So the first question, last question is, uh, what do you, what do you look for for yourself to be your legacy that you leave behind when your career is all said and done? I want to be known as an infinite giver, an infinite giver, okay? No matter what the circumstance, situation, environment, 
when someone thinks about Dwayne Broussard, I'm not so sure I want to be thought of in the, in the context of being some phenomenal X and O coach that won many championships or whatever. I mean, all that's good. Recruited really good players. All that's good. But I think what's most important to me is to be recognized as a person that, that was just a giver, you know, just, just gave whatever I could, whether it was time, whether it was energy, whether it was effort, just, just, and, and, and gave it selflessly. Just, 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 just give. That, that's what I want to be known for. Okay. And to do that, in order to be that way, again, you have to have an enormous energy source. And the energy source that I have is what I told you earlier, a tremendous amount of love for this profession. Okay. A tremendous amount of love for the people that are in this profession and I serve. So that's, that's what I want to be known for. Great answer, Coach. Great. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. That's okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. I think there's a reason why you, reason why you've benefited so much in your career and been blessed because you've been such an uh, infinite giver already to this point and why your reputation is so positive and why you've been uh, continuously getting that reputation and uh, just being able to be associated with other great coaches. And, and to be able to have such stability at each place you've been at is a testament to that, to that giving. So salute to you on that, Coach. Great answer. Thank um, you. Thank so you. So bonus, bonus question. What's one life lesson you learned from the game of basketball when you played <laughs> that you still use today that you can leave with us? Question. I give them both to you at once from someone in the room is uh, who is the top three point guards at your high school? Willow Ridge, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, Willow Ridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I, let me see. I'll, I'll answer the life lesson. Um, the, the life lesson that I take from basketball is, is and, and I, I still try to apply this today, that no matter what's going on, no, no matter what the situation and circumstances, I, you know, I, I think it's going to get better. I, I, think, I think it's going to get better. And, and it's going to get better, even if there's failure involved, it's going to get better because you're going to learn so much from it so that if you do fail, you won't fail the next time. Okay. And I think that's what athletics teach you. You know, when you think about basketball in particular, basketball is so different than other sports. Like for instance, in football, I consider football to be what I would call a sequential sport. So you have players on both sides of the ball. Okay. The only time players on both sides of the ball um, play the game simultaneously is when there's an interception or a fumble. Otherwise, when the offense is done, the defense comes on. Basketball is what I would call an interdependence sport. Okay. That means you play both sides of the sport or the game simultaneously. Okay. So why is that important? Because in life, you have to have the flexibility and the ability to adapt in knowing that runs will happen and if you're down five guess what you might go up five the next two minutes it changes just like that if you just keep working and you keep and and and, and you keep doing the right things eventually it's going to work out it's going to work out that that to me is the lesson that i've learned it's going to work out okay and that that positivity i think has allowed me to enjoy the successes in this profession that i've been able to you know, I, I, I'll add this. I mean, seriously, and I, before I answer the question about the point guards, I, I, I feel compelled to tell you that, you know, a couple of years ago, and I'm sure everybody knew this because it was a world story, you know, I was in a jail cell in China. I was in a jail cell with three of our players at UCLA um, because of something that they had did <laughs> in, in a marketplace. And right. while I was in jail, you know, you think about it, when you were a kid, not knowing that things are going to be okay, 
and knowing what the future is going to be and being in a foreign country, how afraid you might be because of that. But that was a magical moment for me because I had the golden opportunity to be behind bars, basically, in a cell with our players, encouraging them and telling them, hey, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay, even when I at times didn't believe it. Okay, I didn't believe it. But, but, but what drove me to do that is the love that I have for those young men. Okay, and I've had other experiences where I didn't know if it was going to work out, but in the end it did. Okay, so I'm just telling you, coaches, okay, stick with what you're doing. If you believe in it, it's going to work. Trust me, it is going to work if you believe in it. The other question about the point guards. Now, you want to know who the three best point guards were? <laughs> that Willer is? Well, I can tell you right now, I was not one of them. I was not one of them, okay? But I would say T.J. Ford. T.J. Ford came, uh, I think I, he was five years behind me. So I often say that he didn't go to my high school. I went to his high school. So T.J. TJ Ford was one. Um, I think uh, I think uh, Henry Golightly, uh, who was a player before me, uh, but didn't get a whole lot of recognition because at that time in the mid '80s, AAU ball just wasn't as big in, in Texas, as you know, it just wasn't as big. But he was really, really good. And then, and then I think I think the 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 other person that I would say is um, I think it's Paco Redman. I think that's his last name, Paco Redman, who actually played at Drexel, and TJ Ford obviously played at Texas. Um, and Paco, Paco was really, really good because he had such a tremendous feel of how to play. And he was taught and coached by, uh, my head coach, Gary Nichols. And, you know, Gary Nichols was a, was, was, was a phenomenal player in high school and college and taught me a lot of things about the game of basketball. Uh, you know what? I, I, I mentioned Nelson Haggerty. Nelson Haggerty was the other one too. I would say Nelson was really good too. So though that's four, I probably gave you one more than you needed, but, but none of them included myself. <laughs> So there you go. Good question. Well, the, 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 for, the fourth one is the person that asked the question, actually. He's okay. on the call. <laughs> That's He's good. On. Yeah. You almost dropped the ball. No, 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 no. You almost dropped the ball, man, but you, <laughs> you can't do. You, you <laughs> yeah. 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 That's good. Man. Everything was phenomenal, man. You can't. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> good to see you, Nails. Good to see hey, you, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. This is incredible, bro. This is Thank incredible, you. brother. You, you, Man, you you make us all proud, man, from back at home. Man, I just got through talking to Coach Nick, man, a couple hours ago. Good. Watching your career, man. It's funny. I never got a chance to. I didn't know you until after you were playing. But the legacy right. you left, man, at the Ridge was just incredible, man. So, thank you, man. Thank you. Much congratulations to you, man. What you thank doing? Thank you, brother. Man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Okay, right, we bro. will. Thank right, you. Brother. Yep. Right, okay. When we thank you so much, Coach. I know you've been a tremendous, tremendous uh, light for me and a mentor and just an example of uh, how to carry yourself, how to do things. And I've been blessed during this COVID nineteen uh, pandemic to get closer to you. So I appreciate you coming on today and sharing your wisdom and sharing your story because I think everybody got a ton from it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me, B. Thank you.